0: I was part of the poster child for an argument as to why it's wrong to be a homosexual.
1: This is In the Key of Q, featuring musicians from around the world who inspire my queer identity. Everybody is welcome to the conversation, whatever beautiful identity pleases you. Music helps us feel connected and know that we are not alone. This program is made possible thanks to the financial support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dan Hall. Tune in and be heard. This week's guest released his first single in 2019. He's performed at Pride and Gay Day's events, and in America's pandemic lockdown, continued to release songs and music videos. The autobiographical studio album, Just Be, came out in 2020, followed up by the long player, Leveling Up. It is with great pleasure that I welcome to the show, Billy Mick. Billy, hello.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: so much time, wondering if you
0: When I was a kid, like while most kids were outside playing, I was inside with my head in front of a stereo speaker. Like I always I would just put on an album and I'd listen to the whole thing start to finish. And um, I I was always obsessed with music. And I started writing songs, um, gosh, when I was probably six or seven. I mean, those aren't very good, but some of them are. Um, Actually, Angel, off of my first album, I actually wrote when I was like eight. I had gotten my first keyboard. You're
1: kidding me. When you were
0: eight? Yeah. I had gotten my first keyboard and started messing around and just kind of strung words together. And so I was was excited to uh, put that on the first album. And it uh, it actually won an international, um, what was it? EDM award. That's for, incredible. First song. I know it was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. My family was all very musical. My dad, my dad was, he was quite honestly a little bit of a pothead. So he was very heavy metal. He was Black Sabbath. He was Jethro Tall. He was um, Rolling Stones. So he had all of those albums. And my mom was a little more beboppy. So she had all the Frankie Valleys and the, the disco and the Bee Gees and but then my aunt was very musical theater. And my, uh, we always went to a lot of dinners and things with my grandparents. And it was always a lot of Frank Sinatra and standards and all that kind of stuff. So I was around all of it. And I enjoyed all of it. I moved to Orlando in 91. And I um, started working in games at Universal. It was a good paying job at the time. And it was fun. And I was at a theme park. And I auditioned for everything. I was not the most talented person in Orlando. So I didn't get a lot of anything for quite a while. And then I, um, got Tom Sawyer at the Mark II dinner theater. And so I was at the dinner theater for a couple of years and did a, did a few shows there. And then I got trained in two parades at Disney. So can you tell us a little bit about the kid you I'm from Jacksonville. So I grew up in Jacksonville. Um, and then, uh, as soon uh, the year a uh, little bit after I graduated, I graduated in ninety. Beginning of ninety one, I applied to Universal on a Friday. I got hired on Saturday. I moved on Sunday.
1: <laughs> I was like,
0: I'm ready. I'm ready. I need something new.
1: So tell us what was Jacksonville like. What's it like being a kid there?
0: Um, it wasn't bad. It was fine. I mean, there's. It's not. It's not my bag. I don't enjoy necessarily going back there. Um, I. Luckily, my entire family moved down here, so I don't really have to go back there. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I still have friends there. And there's there's a lot of really, really gorgeous parts to Jacksonville. Um, I was fortunate enough when um, I got into high school, we had a Douglas Anderson School of the Arts there. So I was able to go to the School of the Arts. So that um, a lot of struggles that a lot of um, teens have with coming out, I didn't have that issue thank you know i'm very thankful for that my mom was a beautician i went to the school of the arts so i mean i was able to be an out person at you know 15.
1: did you ever feel growing up that there was any pressure to be straight or or to or were you given an awareness of being wrong or incorrect or in fact was this world you grew up in that sounds very creative just always a little bit bent a little bit queer from the outset and that you were always allowed to feel comfortable just being yourself
0: no (laughs) uh that that all changed for me when my father uh when my father left
2: recently i've come to a new community
0: Uh, when I was, uh, young, my father, uh, on the side, my father was a drug dealer. He, um, he dealt marijuana and, um, he, uh, so he, uh, lots of, lots of shady dealings and, and things like that as a child, I, I remember. And then, uh, he was very, I had to play football. I had to play baseball. Um, I was allowed to take ballet one, one year because it, uh, I don't know if you remember. I, I don't know if you're as old as me. I don't know if you remember. There was a whole movement in like the early 80s where um, all the football players were taking ballet because it helped them with their game. So I was able to take one year of ballet because I was playing football. Um, I did, play, I did play soccer one year and I did really like that, but I wasn't allowed to play again because it interfered with football. But when I got to um, junior high school, by the time I got to junior high school, my dad had kind of transitioned into doing coke. So he was never... He was never mean. He was never physically abusive with us ever, ever. That was never a thing. He was never, he was not a nice person. He was always a shady person. And he was always a, this is what you will do kind of person. So when he made me go out for the football team, I went, I busted my ass, I made first string and I came home and told him I didn't make it. So I didn't have to play. And what did
1: those years when your father was in your life and in your home, what were you led to believe masculinity was? What did it mean to
0: you? I, I always thought it was toxic. <laughs> I, I, I felt that way my entire life. That was something that I always looked at. And I was like, I don't, I don't get this. And I, also, I, I think I felt it was so toxic. I always saw through my dad. So to me, I see this masculinity and I associate it with I know you're cheating. I know you're lying. I know you're doing all of these things. So there's a so there's that other level of that I always associated with masculinity, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be that.
1: <laughs> How old were you when your father departed the scene?
0: Uh, I was I was twelve. We did stay in touch, and um, you know we would talk every now and then and stuff like that. It's not like I would go visit or anything like that, but I would call him and just check in and say hi and. We just had a mutual understanding that we were family kind of thing. Um, he uh then, oh, gosh, I think it was two, ooh, 98, maybe something like that. He actually ended up committing suicide um, in uh, Alabama. So, but we, but I, I was, I felt good that we had mended that, you know, that we had at least come to an understanding where we could, you know, check in with each other and, and have a genuine compassion for each other. Um, well, you know, it's really interesting. My mom, she, like everyone from her generation, got married when she was like seven, 18 um, to her high school sweetheart. They'd been, so she had been with him since she was like 12. And, um, you know, there was a lot of um, also empowerment for women. At that time, that was a big, that that was a common thing at the time, you know, the early, late seventies, early eighties, people were getting divorced, people were done. Um, So my mom and I actually got to kind of go on a growing up journey, kind of side by side, you know, I mean, this was the first time that she had ever been single. This was the first time she had ever dated. You know, she she got into a robot size. We, she, you know, she she started doing all the things. But she had to go back to work. So I was, you know, cooking dinner and I was taking care of my sister and I was doing those things. But I was kind of discovering myself at the same time that she was discovering herself, really, because she had never been anything other than his partner. <laughs> In 96, I was working at the Mark II Dinner Theater and a friend of mine wanted to uh, go get tested for HIV. And I had never really done it because I was like, I'm fine, I'm safe. And um, he, so he didn't want to go by himself. So I went with him and we both did. And um, his came back negative and mine came back positive. It was really scary. And the and the bad thing is, I mean, everyone, everyone talks about sensationalism in the news. It was the same thing then. It was exactly the same thing then. It wasn't just happening to the gay community. It was happening. It was happening everywhere. That was just all they focused on because they wanted everyone to think that that's all this was attacking. And it was, it was very obvious if you look back at it and um, but it was it was scary everyone was scared and you know again it, it was a it, it's a turnoff. you know it's not it's not something that people want to be involved in I felt awful you know I mean I was now a statistic I was I was now part of the poster child for Uh, an argument from all of these people as to why it's wrong to be a homosexual like i i i was now representing that and i i felt awful you know and at the time at the time i was like i'm never no one's ever going to want to be with me again um you know and you think those things i mean i was 26 um and i uh I did meet somebody and I I just got into a relationship with the first person that came along just because I thought I was just going to be alone. At the time in 96, like uh, the medicines were awful. You had four or five you needed to take. And everyone that I knew that was on them was just sick all the time and they weren't doing well. And I was like, you know what? I'm not taking anything. I'm not going on any medications. and so. I did that, and I, I went the holistic route, and that served me very well until it didn't. Uh, in like 2011, um, I was a show director. Uh, I was doing, um, I was working round the clock. I was working a lot, and we, uh, I just kept getting sick, like all throughout 2011. I'd still, <laughs> I'd still not gone to a doctor or anything like that, and so I finally went to a doctor in uh, November of 2011 and my t-cells were super low
1: yeah because just to explain to people who don't know uh t-cells are the the cells within the human body that fight that fight uh badnesses and illnesses that come in and if your t-cells are low there's basically not a lot of foot soldiers to fight off infections
0: oh yes and I, i mine were dangerously low so i uh I did get sick, and I made it through Christmas and New Year's barely. I, and I was—I looked terrible. And uh, we got to January third, and uh, I was home sick, and I uh, had 106 temperature. They uh, put me into the ambulance. I was in a coma for about ten days, um, and then when I came out, I was very confused. You know, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and, uh, I couldn't, uh, being, after being in the coma, I couldn't walk, um, and I couldn't really talk either. So, uh, and it was interesting all like I had, I had worked with, oh my God, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> a little emotional. So I had, um, all of our friends and all of our family had come together and they had started this Facebook page where they had like a nine o'clock prayer where they would, or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And they would uh, all think about me at nine o'clock and put that energy out there. And uh, as much as every doctor said I was not going to come back, I did. Um, And I had to learn to walk again before they would let me out. So I uh, had to go through rehab and and all that kind of stuff once I had gotten off the machines. And um, I got out on February 24th. And uh that was the fabulous day.
2: When life brings you down and you're feeling lost, you gotta find your own joy no matter what the cost. And you find it, it's only in your mind. You need a new beginning, but don't know where to start. Stop with the overthinking and just follow your heart. You can do anything you want to.
0: got back into exercising, I got into holistics, I started reading a lot uh, in Buddhism, I started meditating a lot, and um, I just started focusing on me. And by the time I got to (laughs) where I met my husband, um, which was the Friday before 9-11, I was at a place where I knew what I didn't want, I had just gotten out of a relationship and I was completely fine by myself. So when we actually talked, the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm HIV positive. <laughs> Take it, leave it, up to you. And he, he was fine. And we, we talked and we talked and we talked and we uh, have been together 20 years. On this long
1: recovery journey to fix your voice, at what point did you realize oh, I am actually going to get this back at some point, won't be tomorrow. But actually, this is a journey of recovery, rather than just, oh, am I going to get it back?
0: Um, The first time that I really felt that um, was when we were in Manchester. (laughs) We were in Manchester, we were staying at Velvet Hotel. Manchester Uh, in the UK yeah we had gone to uh we had a friend that was getting married in london and so we had gone to london for the first time in 2016 and we were at home like that's that is, we were like why is this the most most at home we've ever felt in our entire life we loved it and so a couple of years later we had a friend of ours that was getting married in london and um brian looked around to see what prides were happening and manchester happened to be happening the week before and we had a friend of ours over there. He said, stay at the Velvet. So we went and we stayed at the Velvet. Um, and for anyone who's not not had the opportunity to go, I know it's a little different now than it was then. But they had all four square blocks blocked off um, for Pride. And the Velvet is in that four blocks. So you like walk out and you're in Pride. And I, my Pride experience in the United States was very minimal. Um, but when i've gone i've always felt like everyone comes together for a parade and then everyone goes off to their corners so you have your your bears go to their bar and the lesbians go to their bar and the, the like everyone just separates and which is such it, a
1: shame isn't it because it's a fracturing hmm. of what oh, should yeah. be a community
0: and then i went there and it wasn't that at all It was everyone together the entire time. The entire street was full. Uh, Every little pub and bar had people sitting in it and everyone was like meeting new people. And I was like, this is what it is. And I went back to our our hotel room and I just started singing Flesh and Bone and I wrote it down and it um, became kind of my like benchmark pride anthem. That I, it's my like go to. It's my it's my always requested.
1: <laughs> That's so wonderful. You had such a great experience. Manchester's a fantastic city. I'm a Londoner oh. myself, but uh, due to work, uh, a couple of years ago, I had to go up quite a lot and go to Salford, a district of Manchester, and it's a great city. At the art, uh, the. The way that they are rebooting and altering their industrial architecture is just stunning. I and I do it. love a tram. I'm a bit of a geek. I love a tram.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, we are, that is our plan. We will, we are landing in the UK. That is That is where we are landing.
2: To be the best you can be, well, it's all up to you. Do whatever you have to do to achieve everything you believe. You'll never get there while you're drowning in doubt. You gotta push yourself forward to make it work out. You can do anything you want.
1: Now then, Billy, after we've had these conversations, I'll pull these recordings into the edit and nip and tuck us down a little bit. But one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to allow queer voices to be heard, uh, because I kind of feel that we are still silenced a lot, especially in quite a heteronormative society. So for the next couple of minutes or so, I just want to give you the stage and say, I'm not going to edit anything. I'm not going to take anything out. I'm not even going to talk in it myself. Can I talk about my album? You could talk about whatever you want.:
0: Okay. Um, I'm really excited about my upcoming album leveling up. Uh, when I did my first album, it uh, titled "Just Be," it was really a perfect introduction to me. I mean, I, I have my song "Take It as It Comes." It talks about like me growing up as a child with my dad and, and him leaving, and then my recovery and meeting my husband. Uh, it's like my entire life leading up to when I went to Manchester in 2018 and just had a completely life-changing experience at their Pride event. Uh, and I wrote Flesh and Bone and that leads right into this album. And because we came back from that trip where we felt such love and such acceptance and we came home and you turn on the news and it's not that it wasn't there prior to that. It was just so in your face, all of the hatred and everything that was on TV. And I was looking and I was like, what the F is going on? And I I was just absolutely astounded. And I I, I wrote the song, The Tourist. And originally that was going to be the title song off this album where I talk about the world is go. I feel like I'm a tourist. It's just like on this earth, I feel like a complete alien. And, you know, and then... I roll right into the next song that I just uh I just actually released it as a single um, called A Little More, just about how freaking greedy people are. I'm like, you know, you're when you're looking at everything and you're just wanting more and more, you're not appreciating the things that you have. Um, and I I really talk a lot on this album about just how gross it is to be so intolerant. And it's astounding to me that we in 2022 still have to have a conversation about how anyone is not accepted. This should not be a thing. (laughs) It's none of your effing business. Just live your life. Let everyone live their life. Everyone should be able to live their best life as human beings. We should always be able to be accepted and we should always be able to feel loved you know and if you can do that if you can be part of that community moving forward where you are making it a better place and you are spreading that love then you're leveling up (laughs) you're getting better because that's that's what this is all about we should all be striving to be better be better as a human being be better be more compassionate um just be better as a society and i really hope that we can all achieve that i wish nothing but love and happiness for everyone. Hey, this is John from the Song Surfing Podcast song surfing is a music discovery show featuring some of the best independent music from around the world. A huge variety of genres are covered from Malaysian punk to Detroit hip hop to jazz from Iceland and a whole lot more. If you love hearing excellent music and like to discover something new, then come song surfing with me. Song surfing is available on all your favorite podcast apps and at songsurfingpodcast.com.
1: Now, I think music is a great way to make us feel like we belong in the world. And I, for me, certainly growing up, listening to the few queer voices I could have was really important. Having that mirror of creativity and hearing and seeing my own voices come back at me was so important. What would your advice be to anybody listening to this podcast, any queer boys who feel a little bit alone in the world?
0: We live in an age where no one. Has to feel alone. There is someone out there that will be there for you. Um, and it's so easy to do that now. You know, I mean, I, I, there's been great times where we've just zoomed with somebody and that's, that's just made their whole day better, you know, and that's something that, that is out there and it's available. And for somebody that is coming up queer, there are people here for you there are resources there for you there are fabulous like we've done fabulous zoom meetings with like 20 people where we're all talking about you know just things that we're running into with our music or like trying to get things out there there are those things for everybody like there's something there for everybody where you
1: are not alone so what would 15 year old billy make of you and your music
0: oh he would think it was freaking fabulous. I'm living my best 80s rock star lifestyle. Like, I'm, like, full tilt. Everything I, everything I thought I wanted to do, I just, I'm doing it. Well, that's good.
1: <laughs> do you think he'd recognize you? Would you see your adult self now
0: as a natural progression of who he was? 1,000%, yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, everything, every single step gets you to where you need to be. And that's, you know I mean, everything happens literally exactly the way it's supposed to. So everyone is like, well, if you could go back and you could do this, I would not change one thing.
1: Now, what queer music are you listening to? And maybe what guests do you think I should get on future episodes? And I have to say, before you answer this, I recorded Sonic Flux's episode the other day, having no idea that he knew you, and he suggested you. Oh my gosh.
0: I love that. (laughs) I love that. I love (laughs) him. I love that. Um, Have you had Kisos on? I've had Corey. Uh, What about, um, oh, OK King out of New York. I'm such a fan. I, (laughs) I listened to their entire album on the way to a work meeting and back. And I just was obsessed. It's really fantastic. I like them a lot. Um, How about uh, Brandon Kills? Oh, another one I've not had. Fantastic. He and I did. He and I actually did a duet just recently together.
1: Whoa, you're coming out with them. I should hire you as my researcher. Uh,
0: well, I I can send you a whole list. Uh, like I said, we got, we all really connected during uh, the pandemic, and it was it was really nice. It, it's sad because everyone's like, it's great that everyone's back to work, but it's kind of sad because everyone doesn't have the time to get together as much as we used to. But uh, I I really enjoyed that time to be able to talk about you know. We submitted to this place and it worked well, and we paid for this promotion and it sucked. And, you know, so it was kind of cool to, you know, just share best practices and tips and stuff like that. Now, then, Billy, where can we find you online? Um, everywhere. Uh, I, my website is billymick.com, B I L L Y M I C K. Every social, Billy Mick Music.
1: Lovely. Thank you very much. Now, we've been hearing your music all the way through this episode, and I have to say, Fucking great music. I really, really loved Tourist. Thank you.
2: I feel like a tourist. I feel like an alien.
1: There's not that many songs that even before the first verse, I'm just like, I'm rocking this. I love this. So <laughs> Thank that, you. That was one of them. So we've been playing your music all the way through this episode, but i like to say to my guests, if there was one Gateway song that would act as the perfect invitation into their catalogue for people that weren't that familiar with it, what would your Gateway song be and
0: why? Um, I have to always say Flesh and Bone. Like it just... it. It represents everything that I wanna put out into the world, which is just love, acceptance, equality, individuality.
2: You're in a fear of what you do not understand. I'm fitting in your master plan. Why oh, can't
1: Hey Mick, thank you so much for coming on to In the Kiev Q and sharing your stories and sharing your music with us. Thank you so much for having
0: me. This has been fabulous. Why
2: can't we just live and let it live? So much love, and there's a lot to give. Just leave well and not alone, because in the end, we're just flesh and bone.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support In the Key of Q via Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Theme music is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com with press and PR by Paul Smith. Help others discover new queer musicians by rating and reviewing In the Key of Q wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to Kaj and Murray for their continued support and to you for subscribing. The show is made of Pup Media. I'm Dan Hall. Go listen to some music, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Taylor Gray is my guest in the next episode of In the Key of Q.
0: At one point, you know, I would rather drink tequila or something and feel calm in two minutes than do these weird breathing exercises or, you know, go to therapy and feel better in a couple months. That's
1: Taylor Gray, next time on In the Key of Q.